Today's reading is Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Kids, you guys are dismissed for King's Quest and the rest of us may be seated. Good to be with you all this morning. Um, so if you're new, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, I think we, we should all introduce ourselves, so I don't have to introduce you as well. But I'm Daniel. Um, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Grace, Daniel Long, and... I'm Beth Balmer. I'm also one of the lead pastors here at Grace. Will Bukervich, also one of the lead pastors here at Grace. There you go. All right, so yeah, the lead pastoral team. Um, Yeah, this is an exciting Sunday. I'd actually like to pray for us, and then we'll get into what we, yeah, what we have to share. So let's pray together. God, you are with us. You have brought us to this time, to this place. Uh, you've brought your people uh, to Grace Long Beach to be, to embody who you are in this city, in the world. Thank you that that is true. Thank you for Beth. Thank you for Will. Thank you for bringing us together and for the honor of, of, of serving you uh, in, in the role of pastor. And God, I am grateful uh, for, yeah, for that honor, but I'm so grateful for your people, for my brothers and sisters who are here that help us learn how to shepherd and how to be pastors. So God, as we share uh, what we sense you doing and what you're up to, uh, help us to be excited and to be just to anticipate uh, the good things that you have for us, knowing that you've always been faithful and will continue to be faithful. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what we want to do this morning. It is a little bit different. I mean, the three of us are up here, and, uh, it, but, and we shifted the service around. But we really want to share what we sense is next uh, for Grace. Um, as you know, uh, we went away, the three of us, about a month and a half ago uh, to pray and, and to consider, okay, God, now that you've brought together this lead pastoral team, what might you have for us? What does it look like for us to lead um, into what you're doing and to participate in what you're already up to? And we asked you and invited you to pray, and then we had a congregational meeting a couple weeks back where we were looking at our history, we were looking at the various ways that we've been shaped by that history, we've been shaped by the various disruption that we've been through together as a community, but ultimately how we've been shaped by God's faithfulness. Uh, that God has been faithful to grace uh, this morning is a testament to that ongoing, continued faithfulness, his steadfast love, which endures forever. And we want to talk about what came out of that time of our discernment and, and really answering the question of what's next for grace. Now, you 
you heard Ephesians 2 read, uh, and the reason we had that read is because, I mean, that is what God has always been doing in the church, that God has always been building together a household of people in which he is the chief cornerstone. That this is part of that. This is an ongoing iteration of what God has already been doing and what God will want to do. But the, the question that's always before any church in any time is what does it look like for us to be that embodiment of what God has for us in this current place and in this current time? And that's the question that's always before us. That's the question as pastors, as people that we're seeking to answer. And so that is why we went away to pray. And Will's going to describe what that day was like in our prayer and what we sense God bring to mind. Yeah, so uh, it was, I, I think it was a significant day for us. For me personally, it was a significant day because um, Beth being much holier than I am, suggested that we spent the first half of the day in prayer. And I was like, oh, yeah. As a pastor, I know that, but like, we have work to do. <laughs> so can we do, like, 20 minutes? Um, but God, in, in his goodness, uh, I think really, really met with the three of us individually um, as, as we just got time with him. Um, I, I went for a little walk. We were down by the beach, and it was beautiful. And I remember looking at my clock, thinking like, okay, that was probably like half an hour, and it was like two and a half hours. I was like, oh, wow, time is actually flying as I'm reading scripture and walking and praying and considering what God has. And it was so cool to hear these guys have very, very similar experiences of God just meeting us. And so, again, I appreciate Beth and her vulnerability as we got back together. She was the one who kind of said what we were all thinking, like, okay, so there's three of us. What if we have three very different ideas? Like, how do you sort that out? Who wins? Who wins? Yeah. Who wins? So I was hoping that the new, as the new guy, they would just defer to me, but they didn't for some reason. Arm wrestle. So they, yeah. Yeah, maybe arm wrestling, and they didn't like that idea either. But, um, <laughs> uh, but thankfully, God in his goodness brought consistency through very different things, right? Daniel found himself uh, in the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Beth found herself in, in the book of Nehemiah. I found myself in the book of Joel. But these themes began to emerge, that something happens with God's people as they experience him through his story, as they are being formed into his likeness, and as they are participating with him on mission. And so as we began to discuss these things, these themes kept emerging. There was this desire, you know, it, it, as we have come, my family specifically, we have felt so much excitement in grace, in you guys, right? As we're in conversations, we're hearing everyone is anticipating what God has next. So it really didn't feel like we had to create some new thing, but rather just unleash what the Spirit is already at work doing. And so we talked about what's the best framework, the best way to think through what this could look like. And these were the themes that emerged. They're on the triangle behind me. Um, if you're on our social media, which we highly recommend, you saw a sneak peek yesterday. Um, the three themes that were emerging were story, formation, and mission. And it occurred to us that this is not really something new. No, not at all. Those words, if you've been around here for any length of time, they're familiar words to us. Um, we've had seasons of trafficking really in all of those in, in the recent, fairly recent past. So story, um, we spent some time maybe 15 years ago-ish learning what it means to live in like the already not yet aspect of God's kingdom, the fact that the kingdom of God began with Jesus but has not reached its full culmination yet. Um, we also spent really good time learning the arc and the narrative of scripture, learning the chapters of the biblical narrative. You'll remember this, creation, fall, um, 
Israel, Jesus, church, and then new creation, those are familiar terms for us when we talk about story or with the idea of formation. We've had a really healthy season in a curriculum um, called Gospel Transformation. We've held journey groups, we've held life groups, we've held triads, we've held small groups, we've held slightly larger groups, we've had second hour fellowships. These are all good things, but they're all different ways of circling around the idea of spiritual formation. And then with mission, historically, this church has had a really healthy reputation for supporting many, many foreign missions. And then we realized the need to balance that with some more local areas of missions. About 20-ish years ago, we launched a, a project called Hope for Long Beach. And then more recently, we looked into an idea called missional communities. All these seasons were good seasons. But when they're separated, or put forward as this is the way, or this is the answer, or this is the solution, then it can lead to a little bit of a sense of instability, right? A sense of fragmentation, um, a feeling of flip-flopping, or maybe the word whiplash is familiar. The Lord has intentionally, I think, brought us through all of these seasons, and again, they are all good things but we realize now that they simply need to be integrated, right? We're not disregarding these good things that we've learned and the ways that we have attempted to be in our recent past. We're simply looking to now integrate those together. Yeah, and that is the key word, is integration. What does it look like for these things to actually be held on together? And, you know, there are three, and it's a triangle, and it seems really holy and very theologically sound. Uh, so, um, uh, but it, it's true. It, the, the question is, okay, th we've gone through different seasons of this, and it has felt chaotic. Okay, we were about this. Now we're about this at the expense of this, and then we keep going. And what we really sense of what God's doing is, is integrating the three of these things. And you should be thinking, yes, this is familiar, and that is good. And the reason it's familiar is because it's something that we've been a part of. I hear that too, just so you know. Um, <laughs> we're all in this together, and, and uh, oh wait, and Jake's going to help us with that. Thanks, Jake. Um, yeah, and so then God's people have always been about these things. Story, formation, mission, this is something that is part of what it means to be God's people, to have our Im imaginations formed by the story, to be people whose hearts are formed by the person of Jesus and the ongoing work of the Spirit, and people who are then empowered by the Spirit to embody and reflect. Uh, now, but we, what, do, what do we mean by these words? How are we defining these three terms? And what do we want to be about in, re in relation to these three terms? So I want to define these for you, for us, of what we mean. So when we talk about story, what we mean is we want to be people who embrace God's true and authoritative story of the whole world. That we have been people who've been caught up in a story, that we have a story, the biblical narrative, a story that is to be the true and authoritative story of the whole world. It is the true story of the whole world. Our imaginations need to be formed and shaped by that story. What do we mean by formation? Well, this is a, probably a phrase that you're aware of. We've been talking about a lot of it recently, is that we want to be people who learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. That part of what it means to be, to be formed by the person of Jesus through the Spirit is to learn from Jesus. He's shown us what the good life is like, what life in the kingdom is like, and we need to live and learn from Jesus how to live 
and love like him. What does it look like to love God? What does it look like to love neighbor? Jesus has shown us how to do that. And as we are disciples, as we are learners in that ongoing relationship with Jesus, our lives, our hearts become more formed in that direction by Jesus. So what do we mean by mission? That we are people who are empowered by the Spirit to embody and reflect God's coming kingdom in all of life. This isn't something that we generate. This isn't work that we, that we need to get going. It is work that God is already doing. He has empowered us by the Spirit. What we are called to do is that by that empowering to embody and reflect what God's coming kingdom looks like in every sphere of life. Not just parts, not just components, but every sphere of life. Now again, this is something the people of God is all, have always been about. Now we went through the Gospel of Matthew, and just as a quick example, we see this story formation mission playing out all through that Gospel. We see the first three and a half chapters really integrate or pulling us into the story. Who is this Messiah that's connected to the people of Israel? And then we get this formative section that's really a lot of the gospel when Jesus calls disciples to come and follow him, and then he begins to show them how to live life in the kingdom. And then, of course, in, in chapter 28 of Matthew, we see that Jesus then says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Story, formation, mission, it's all over the place. And these are things that are supposed to be together, that are supposed to be connected. One of the things that was helpful for me in, in wrestling through this and kind of fleshing this out is asking myself the question, what does this look like when it's not in balance? And I think when we have the idea of story and formation, what we get, at least what I've experienced in my own life when I focus um, solely on these two, is it's a very inward faith. This is a faith that cares deeply about self, about my community. Um, I can think really, really good and important things about theology, but there's not as much of the practical outworking, the loving neighbor component of the faith that we're called to. When we think about uh, examples of being formed by story and mission, but not formation, what this can look like is, is a church or a person who really, really cares about the community in some very important ways, who may be engaging missionally, but there isn't that personal transformation. So we may have a compelling story to share with people, a compelling set of ideals to share with people, but when they look at our lives, there is no change. There is no difference. When we think about how people or churches could be formed only by formation and mission, but not tethered or anchored in God's story, then what we see are people who are really, really passionate about causes that may be good or bad, but are not rooted in scripture. So we begin to engage in things like culture wars, in, in things like pet causes that are this one day, and then when the next thing goes viral, it's something else, because it's not rooted in the authoritative story of God's word. Now, being formed, being on mission, being rooted in the story are all important. We don't want to diminish any of those. What we're saying is we want to hold those together. We want to integrate those because that's what helps keep us balanced. That's what helps keep us rooted and remembering who we are as God's people. Like Daniel has said and like Beth has said, this is what God's people have been about from the beginning. This is nothing new. So that leads us to the question, so what? What difference would all of this make? Well, we think that this framework simply serves to help us get closer to our goal. And what is our goal? Our goal is our mission statement. Dave, if you'll fire that up there for me. 
Our mission statement says, we are a community of the new creation, living out of the gospel for the flourishing of all. Flourishing of all. Let's say that together. We, we are, are a community, community of the new creation, creation living out of the gospel for the flourishing of all. I know that that sounds really lofty and aspirational. I think even sometimes we struggle with feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so good, we could never possibly achieve it, which is part of the point. But let me unpack it for you a little bit, especially if you're relatively new to Grace. You might not have heard this talked about so much, even though we do attempt to live out of it regularly. So in order to be a community of the new creation, if you'll fire that one up there for me, Dave, thank you. We need to understand what it means to live in that already, not yet, the in-between um, place that we find ourselves. God's kingdom, like I said earlier, is inaugurated with Jesus, but has not yet come in all of its fullness. We Christians are to be people who live into what we see in Scripture as God's ideal way of living. If you look in, in Revelation 21 and 2 describes this pretty well. It describes the new heavens and the new earth, and it says at that time, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Chapter 22 goes on in describing the new city. It says, there's a tree of life there with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. There'll be no need for lights because the light of God will shine so brightly that there'll be no darkness at all in the new heavens and the new earth. So we see the new heavens and the new earth as being a place of restoration, of healing, broken things being made new, right? A place of racial reconciliation, a place where there's an absence of harm for all the vulnerable, where we speak truth instead of lies, where there's no disease, no strife, no war, no chaos, no greed, no jealousy, no backstabbing, no criticizing. The list is literally endless. But this is not only our future reality. This is the reality we are called in to begin making that a reality now where we can. So to be the community of the new creation means that we see our vocations, our families, our friendships. These are venues for God's kingdom to be coming in the here and now. And also note, this is communal work, right? It's a community of the new creation. You might be saved as an individual, but you are saved into a family because God's kingdom looks like family, and we actually belong to one another. So to become a Christ follower means that we're committing to life with the rest of his followers, which means you're going to be daily faced with opportunities to bear witness to God's grace with one another, God's mercy toward one another, God's love toward one another in the ways that we treat and interact with one another. That also means that when a person has a need, others ante up to meet that need, right? Somebody has a financial provision, the money doesn't usually drop from the sky. It more often than not comes from my bank account or from your bank account, right? Or we, we take each other to the airport or to the mechanic. When we give each other cars when ours get totaled, these are real-life recent examples and stories that I'm telling. We want to be a community who are attractive to the outside world because of the ways that we treat one another. They should see forgiveness here. They should see friendships that reach across the political or covetical aisle. I did make that word up. 
They should see generosity, and then they should want to taste and see that the Lord is good for themselves, right? Because they can see up close how living into God's ways brings shalom and goodness to the whole world. It's almost like you put on your new creation goggles, right? They're, they're not virtual reality goggles. They're actuality goggles, right? When we, when we see things the way the new creation is, it, the way that things are meant to be is God's way. And this all ties into the story component of the triangle framework. We need to know the story, the creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, church, the new, the new creation. We need to know that story in order to understand that the final chapter of the book, the new creation chapter, actually overlaps with this chapter that we're in now, the church. It helps us know who we are and who we're living for when we understand that total story. The second leg of our mission statement says we are living out of the gospel. This starts, obviously, first and foremost with recognizing that we are sinners who can't save ourselves. No matter what, we cannot restore the relationship that was with God that was broken in the garden at the fall when the first humans tried to play God, tried to be like God. We cannot bridge that divide. But Jesus did. When he took on our sin and he suffered and he was crucified, and then he conquered death by being raised from the grave on Easter Sunday morning. We now have access to God, not just for eternity, but here and now in this life. So to live out of the gospel begins with stepping into that identity as people who say, I want to identify with Christ. I want to live into his ways, his will, which means we die to ourselves, right? We're crucified with Christ and the life that I live no longer is my own, but it's Christ living in me, Galatians 2 tells us. To live out of the gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. It means to be on God's mission at all times, to be spreading that good news that none may perish, but all may be saved, Second Peter. If becoming a community of the new creation is like putting on those goggles to see the world the way it really is, then this living out of the gospel aspect is kind of like putting on a cape, like a Superman cape that makes you feel like you can fly and you have the power to make a difference. Part of what it means to live out of the gospel means stepping into the power and the authority that Jesus gave us and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to unleash God's kingdom on the world around us. Preach. That is exciting. And this is tied to the formation leg of that ministry framework triangle we're talking about. To live out of the gospel means understanding what it means to be formed into Christ-likeness. Jesus was the embodiment of the gospel, right? So the, the best way for us to learn is to learn from him how to live out of the gospel. The third part of our mission statement says, for the flourishing of all. What would Long Beach look like if every area of it, and every person in it was flourishing. The word flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. So if we, the community of the new creation who are daily living out of the gospel, if we're the particularly favorable environment in Long Beach, then what things and arenas should be flourishing around us? What things would be becoming the way they're supposed to be in God's kingdom? Would our schools look different because the teachers see their vocation as a calling and, and that place is a mission field? Or would our schools look different because we are on the PTAs that are helping to influence 
the flourishing of our students that are there? Would patients in hospital beds heal quicker because the very presence of God is physically embodied by the nurse in their hospital room? Could our school campuses have less fights on them because you students actually see yourselves as peacemakers there? Would the foster system be completely dismantled because we come alongside families when they're struggling and help them understand and learn to live into God's way of doing family? Would the elderly be revered and respected and have to take more naps because they're so tired out from having so many visitors and friends instead of feeling lonely and isolated? Again, all of this seems so lofty, right? Seems so idealistic. But it is God's reality if we look at both Genesis, the way God intended the world to be, look at Genesis and also at Revelation 21 and 22, like I just read, the future reality that will come to bear. But for now, what could flourishing look like around you? What's one step, like joining a PTA or being kind at school when everyone else is being mean or choosing not to cheer on that fight that's breaking out on the playground because you see yourself, students, as a bringer of peace, not a harbinger of war. This all ties to the mission leg of the Triangle Framework. We want to see where there are areas that are not flourishing around us and then see where grace, which means you and you and you and you, see where grace might be uniquely poised to help bring flourishing into areas of Long Beach. And honestly, many of you are already doing this, right? Clatterbuck, Diebel, when you guys create beauty and structure with your, your handiwork and you build fences and gates and you repair broken things, you are bringing God's kingdom and flourishing to bear in the city. Um, think of people like Janice and Ashley and Bob Maxwell. When you guys are patiently helping high schoolers and college kids to understand statistics and math, things that are helpful and necessary tools to bring order into life. I think Catherine Taylor, people who tutor and help other people, kids who are in places where they're struggling, you're helping them to stay in school and not drop out. Um, I think of Amy Reeves and other stay-at-home moms. You guys are bringing fun and structure and food and Jesus into your household as you raise your kids. Um, I think of Kelly Gray and Adam Wolven and Sherry. You guys are meeting kids in their most insecure places in schools and counseling them, and you're speaking truth into the lies that they believe about themselves. It's so, there's so many stories in this room, and it's great to see how the individuals here are embodying this. We want to start to explore some more ways that we as a community could step into this together. So very practically speaking, what do next steps look like? Uh, for the mission component, we will be launching uh, an asset-based community development assessment. Uh, what this will look like, so that's a really, really fancy way to say, um, Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. If we don't know who our neighbors are, we're probably not doing well at that. So as a church, before we decide what we think is best for Long Beach, what we think is best for our neighbors who don't, don't yet know Jesus, we wanna follow the model of Jesus and ask them, ask Long Beach itself, how can we help? We see this model from Jesus time and time and time again throughout the Gospels. The blind beggar is sitting, sitting there calling out for Jesus, and Jesus says, what can I do for you? 
Jesus, the all-knowing God, the creator of the universe, in speaking with a blind beggar, like it's obvious, right? He's blind, like he probably wants to see, probably doesn't want to be a beggar anymore. Jesus still asks him the question. So we're gonna start that process of getting to know Long Beach. So if you're somebody who loves uh, to learn about history, who loves to research, we could really use your help. If you're somebody who is an extrovert and you like talking to people that energizes you, we could really use your help because we wanna talk to all different areas of life, fields of industry within the city, uh, neighbors, all, all over the place. We wanna interview people and ask questions like, what's going really, really well here? What are the assets? Uh, the theological language that we won't necessarily use outside of the church is, how do you see the spirit at work? We'll ask creative questions like, if a producer from Hollywood wanted to tell the most compelling story about your neighborhood, what movie should they make? Trying to help people think through what is really going well here. Because in that, we're gonna see what God is doing through this theological term called common grace. How is the spirit at work bringing about this flourishing that we know will fully be realized when Jesus reunites heaven and earth? So we'll need people to help with that. If you're like, like big brain, like you know how to think meta and synthesize information, I definitely need your help. Because we need to compile all of these stories from history and from what's going on here and now. We need to learn about all the things that nonprofit sectors are doing and, and, and how the most vulnerable in our city are being served. And then we'll begin to get a sense of where could God be inviting us to partner with what he's already doing. What may also happen is there could be gaps. There could be areas that God's people are not yet stepping into, serve and bring life and speak truth into the city of Long Beach. And there could be ways that God is preparing us, even now, your gifts, your experiences, your abilities, to create something new that hasn't yet existed. This will be our way forward in mission. We're gonna to get to know Long Beach even better than Grace and its incredible history already has. We're gonna to get to know our neighbors. We're gonna to get to focus in on a specific um, geographic area and see where the Spirit is at work, where we can partner with what the Spirit's doing, and then are there any new opportunities where uh, we can bring some of this life that we've been talking about to the table for the city of Long Beach so that we can love our neighbors well. For formation, so many of you guys are already involved in small groups, and we're thankful for that. We, we, our our um, heart for this is that you guys would continue to press into those small groups. We have a series of uh, retreats that are coming up that we would love to um, direct you guys to as, as those times approach. Um, but we will continue to do, as we have been over the last number of months, to talk about and press into learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. Now, as far as... Sorry, let me back up. ABCD, I didn't give you the important information. On April 30th, we will be launching this. If you are interested at all, my email is, is up on the slide. You can email me, you can grab me after service, you can shoot me a text. Um, let me know that you're interested uh, so that on April 30th, we're gonna have the lady who will help facilitate us. She'll be out here um, in Long Beach uh, kicking us off for asset-based community development. And then finally, for story. Uh, there'll be a few things coming up. After Easter, uh, we will start a new sermon series where we will be walking through the chapters of the biblical story. Creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, church, and restoration. Uh, we'll be kind of taking a deep dive on those Sundays into those chapters of the biblical story. We'll also be rolling out a class in the next few months that will look at practically how can we use this? 
How can we use this story to shape our worldview, uh, to disciple us towards a biblical worldview so that we can use this story to think through things that we're facing in our, in our current days, our current context? Um, big lofty things like societal issues and really, really practical things like how do I think biblically about whether I send my kid to private school, public school, charter school, homeschool, or any of the other options that weren't a thing when I was a kid. <laughs> um, so we're really excited for that. We'll have the sermon series. We'll have some classes that will help us to um, think through the grid of the biblical story to hopefully think biblically about things. Yep. So, I mean, we're really excited about, about what we sense God doing and leading us into, and I guess the final word before we close here is, uh, like, this is, this is awesome, and, and we really think this is something that God has, has always been about and has given us to, to really integrate, but it begins with a hunger and a desire uh, to be people whose imaginations are formed by the story, whose lives are truly close to Jesus, abiding with him, to learn from him how to live and love like him, and people who are then empowered by the Spirit uh, to be on mission, it starts with a, with a real dependence on God. Otherwise, this is a cool shape with wonderful words <laughs> that we will remember and know. Because it takes the actual work of God in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, to do something. And God has already been doing it, and we are called to participate, and it begins with a hunger. This whole week I've been thinking about John chapter 6, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which of course begins with, with this sense of noticing that people are hungry and the disciples wanting to do something about it, because Jesus doesn't seem like he's aware or cares. And so he says, look at all these people, they're hungry, they're grumbling. And Jesus says, of course, well, what do you have? What do you have? Because Jesus wants to work with what we have. And they simply say, well, here is our meager offering of just a few fish and some loaves. He's like, I can work with that. Actually, I can do way more than you could ever have imagined with just those few things. And of course, we know the story. He feeds the multitudes of people, and there's leftovers. But the story continues, and the message gets harder. And Jesus says to his disciples... And to the people who are listening, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will not have eternal life. And of course, this is confusing and crazy. What is Jesus talking about? Consuming his, his body and his blood. And of course, the message is too hard, so people leave. And then the, some of the disciples are left. And he's like, well, why haven't you left? And their response is what I pray and hope our response is. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else could we go? You have the words of eternal life. So this is exciting and wonderful. And may we be a church who knows without a doubt that we can go nowhere else other than before Jesus, who is the abundant giver, who is the one that the story is pointing to, who is the one that forms our hearts, the very core of who we are, and the person whose work continues through the Spirit as we embody and reflect that mission in all of life. But it begins with a hunger and a dependence and a desire and a knowledge that says, where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. So that's where we want to begin, with a hunger, with a dependence.
Yeah, and so obviously one of the ways that that manifests then is in prayer. We, we take our hunger to God and we, we begin with Him. So we're, we're going to step into that right now. This whole process for us began in prayer. It was based in prayer. We were praying, but we also invited you to pray with us on that day back in January. And so we want to continue that, continue bathing it in prayer all the way along. So we're going to take, Brandon, if you and the team want to come back up now, we're going to take a few minutes in, in this service. On these Sundays, we typically have the prayer team go to the sides. And if you have a need, if you have something that you want to pray with somebody this morning, the prayer team is still going to be available for you for that. If you want to go over there now, prayer team, as soon as I start, stop talking. Um, but we also want to invite you to turn to a couple people around you and just begin to bathe all of this in prayer. Ask, ask for God's hand, for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be upon this. Without prayer and without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, like Daniel said, this is a triangle. It's a triangle. And we don't want it to be a triangle. We want it to be about bringing God's mission to bear in this city that he's placed us. So I invite you to stand. Right now you're going to turn to a few people next to you. Pray for a few minutes, and then again, if you, if you want prayer on the sides, the prayer team will be available for you during the next couple songs.